Shabbat. Welcome, my friends, to the Moon Jockeys podcast. <laughs> An in-depth discussion of Star Wars themes, characters, and storylines. Now, here are your hosts, Katie and Brian. Welcome to another episode of Moon Jockeys Podcast. My name is Brian, your host. I'm excited to have a new guest to talk Rebels this week. You may know him from as the original Kanan costumer, uh, or from the RogueRebels.com, or even Making Star Wars Now This Is Podcasting. How are you doing tonight, Sal? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, you know, we're this close, right? <laughs> it is quickly, quickly approaching the, the end of Rebels. Yeah. How did you get uh, so connected to Rebels early on? Um, I guess if I had to start at the beginning, um, I joined the costuming clubs back in the like Clone Wars days. Yeah. I was always a fan of Star Wars. I always, you know, like I've 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 read the books since I was a kid. You know, when I was I, I grew up in the age of that dark time when there wasn't really a whole lot of Star Wars happening. Yeah. You know. Before between Return of the Jedi and the special editions, I always had my toys and everything. And when the when the when the books and the comic books, Dark Empire and all that stuff were kind of released, Tales of the Jedi, I really picked those up in like middle school and high school. Um, so that was like how I kept my Star Wars fandom alive. And then later in life, like I found the character Quinlan Vos through the comics, and that was like my character because I have dreads and he looks like ethnic and it, it was like a really really cool thing for me to finally you know i could never be luke skywalker i didn't quite look like him no uh so things like that were like pretty cool so i started making that my halloween costume yeah. and eventually i found out about the clubs and custom lightsabers and stuff so i joined a club called saber guild which is another there's like you know there's the 501st who does the bad guys rebel legion does the good guys mandalorians do all mandos uh and i didn't know how to build an r2 so i joined <laughs> saber guild yeah I have like a history of martial arts. I was always into that. I really liked the Jedi and Sith and lightsaber combat. So I my like it's a performance group in addition to costuming. You costume as a Jedi or a Sith and characters and then you do lightsaber shows for charity and kids just like the other groups do the appearances. Right. So that's like how I got into the the clubs. And through that like I got my family involved. Like my wife has always been really really big on charity. Mm-hmm. So once we kind of found that thing that was something that she found that she could bring the whole family in on and they wouldn't be like, oh, we have to go run a marathon at like four, five in the morning. It's really cold. The run Disney's, yeah. You know? Yeah. So but it, was, it was like a really cool thing. So, hey, we can do charity or we can do, you know, we do a lot of like, you know, we read to kids at libraries or there's a lot of, um, like I know a lot of the big, you know, like nowadays if you think of costuming and cosplay and all that, a lot of people think of, you go to a con and you're looking around for a hundred Wonder Womans and and whatever you can find, right? But really we got into it because we can go to places where a lot of people don't see that kind of thing. Like we go to a lot of libraries, for instance, where it's just kids in the community who would probably never see an R2-D2 or a Jedi or a 
a Darth Vader or a Stormtrooper, you know, because they probably don't go to these cons. Um, so that's really, really cool. And be able to share that kind of experience with the kids and our kids was really, really fun. So when the Rebels was first announced and they were introducing you to the characters, I don't know if you remember, they had like a series of YouTube videos that they released that was like, hey, meet Ezra. Ezra is like a little kid who steals from the Empire, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Me, Kanan, meet this. So they had all of those. The cowboy And Jedi. my wife, yeah, my wife at the time was like, oh my, like when the Ezra came out, everybody was just like, oh, that is totally Axel. Like, that's my son. Like he had scruffy hair. He like looked like a little punk and he was running, you know, he was climbing and flipping. Like he was that kind of mischievous little kid. So we were like, oh dude, that's, that's perfect. Like we should totally make him an Ezra costume. You know, at the time, the kids just had like generic Jedis. My yeah. wife and I were doing Ayla and Voss. Um, and then when they released the Sabine video, my wife was all enthralled because she was like, I love drawing and painting. And then like she's an artist. And my wife had like basically the exact same haircut at the time. And she was like, I could totally do that. And then she was like, you can do the cowboy Jedi. And I was like, eh. I mean, <laughs> I, I could, I, I could, I guess, you know, and then, you know, so me and Lizzie were kind of the ones that were like, Okay, well, I guess we'll take these leftover characters because I can't do Zeb. <laughs> yeah, you know, so that's sort of it was my wife's idea, and we we just went for it. I took all those videos apart. I pulled every screenshot and every concept art that I could find, and as the time that I was building these costumes, things were still being like released, and there was nothing to work with. I was building stuff of concept art that was like. You know, I couldn't really like, for instance, I didn't really have a clear shot of, you know, the sides of 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 Sabine's helmet where uh -huh. the wings are. But back then I, I had like a shot of the front. So I sort of knew how the design up above went. And then, you know, like then the show's released and I see she has wings on the side. So then I'm scrambling. To, I have to repaint her helmet. I've repainted her helmet probably three or four times before the show was released because there were just things that I, I wasn't able to see or things that, are, you know, it, it's on a a concept or I'm pulling stuff off a YouTube video that's not quite good enough quality or the lighting's wrong. Was WonderCon uh, the first con you guys went to? No, we had been to San Diego Comic-Con. We've been to a lot of cons before, but that was the first con that we did as the those characters. Right. And that was also the first panel. Okay. So and, like that, yeah, that's where we debuted those costumes. Was it Dave that told you that you might want to switch characters with uh, your wife and your daughter? It wasn't quite – no, not exactly. We had, done the, we had done the costumes. We had already put everything together. But uh, I think at WonderCon we went and we did the thing. And it was just like really, really cool. Nobody had really said anything. But before the show was released, I think it was at San Diego that, – that San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. Not only did we see the first episode, but we also picked up a new Dawn. Like they were giving advanced readers away at the, at the Del Rey booth. So after reading through that book was when we were like, okay, yeah, we do need to switch this up. <laughs> you know, like that's where we really caught before we even the seeing the show, like catching the dynamic of those characters from that book was really where the inspiration, like not the inspiration, but the like imperative that we need to probably make a change. For Canary. And then it turned into like, yeah, it turned into like my, my daughter literally just picked up Sabine's costume from Liz and just put it on as she grew into it, 
mm-hmm. but it didn't quite work the other way around, you know? So like it took us a while to get the, the hair costume made for, for my wife. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, cause we had to make a new hair costume cause the hair costume we had was, you know, for a 13 year old and it wasn't <laughs> going to fit my wife. Meanwhile, once the 13 year old became 14 and 15, she just slid right into the Sabine costume, you know? So that's like what took us a while. But I do remember I did have a conversation with Dave at Celebration and where we told him that was where we kind of debuted her hair with the switcheroo was finally done at the beginning of like season two. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, oh, you know, you guys changed. And we were like, yeah, well, you know, like and I told him the story that I just told you. That's basically like we read the book and we decided, yeah, we need to figure this out. And he just started laughing. <laughs> you know, so I thought that was a uh, pretty fun. He's always up to his schemes. Yeah. Has it's, uh, it's good. your kids taken on any of the characteristics of like um of Sabine or Ezra or were they just already um, like a- Axel was a lot like Ezra already but yeah. then he like would pick up like little extra things like and then he would use his character as a a way to like get away with it cuz before when we were dressing as Jedi yeah. He had to be like, hey, dude, get over here. Like, we're being, we're taking pictures. We're being Jedi. And he had to stand up and do his lightsaber pose. But once he started being Ezra, he would, like, cross his arms and he would, like, lean on droids. And he was, like, acting like this real cool punk, like, little guy. He would go and he would take things from people. Like, he'd go grab the other members' lightsabers and things like that. He'd be like, I'm Ezra. I'm supposed to steal. So, like, in a fun way, he would, like, pick up those things. You know, like yeah, totally. when he was in costume. Yeah. Like, I think I have a good 25 pictures or so of like any time we did a troop where we were at a library or something that had a tree, he would just climb the tree in an Ezra costume. He's like, hey, Ezra climbs around and jumps and stuff. So that's what I'm doing. Nice. And I'm like, dude, can you can we get a picture of you out of the tree? Because people are down here. They don't want to climb the tree to take a picture with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. And then my daughter, just I guess as she became a teenager, just gradually picked up a lot of sass like Sabine. Yeah. So that just kind of happened. But my my daughter also draws a lot. So like the artist thing really like worked out for her. Yeah. My wife is already a mom and I was already kind of a nonchalant. Although I think I'm probably closer to like, you know, either season one Kanan or a new Don Kanan than I am to Kanan now. <laughs> like I'm a, I'm a lot more laid back than than Kanan is in the later seasons. Yeah, I mean, he's gone through a lot with uh, getting blinded yeah, by Maul. It happens, yeah. Um, to talk a little bit more about Quinlan Voss, uh, you mentioned that it f- sort of felt like representation, it, it sounded like. Is that right? That's how I felt. Do you... Like, uh, even with... Yeah. Do you really connect with that character or just the look more? Um, originally it was like the look and it's like, and it, and that's like the look is what draw you, draws you in. And then you read the comic and the comic is really, really well done. Like the story of Quinlan, the legend story of Quinlan Voss is really, really cool. But, you know, kind of once all that was swept to the side and the Clone Wars came out, I know there were a lot of Voss fans that had a lot of issues with like, why is he like a surfer guy? And why is he acting all funny? You know, in the comics, he's all dark and he's all brooding but after reading through everything we have basically on Voss and Canon, which is that Clone Wars episode and Dark Disciple, mm-hmm. I think I like the character that they created in Canon better 
than the other story because I think he has a lot more depth and range mm-hmm. than a really cool looking one note guy. I like that's always static in a way, you know. So I, I'm I'm really happy with what they did for Quinlan Voss. Uh, now, now I connect a lot more with the character. Yeah. Because honestly, I think, you know, like. I, I, you know, it's not like I'm just the dude in the party that hangs out in the corner all the time and is always <laughs> laughing, being dark. Like, and, and you know, like I like having fun too. If if, if I was with an Obi Wan, I would mess with them too. Yeah. You know, so I, I really I really dig that that uh they gave that character a lot of depth and and range. So you like what they did with the Dark Disciple novel? Yeah, that is like not even my favorite Star Wars book. That's my favorite book of all time. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's a really good book. Yeah. You do uh, a lot of work with charities, um, and you were actually part of the Kessel Toy Run this holiday season. What was it like giving out the toys to the kids in the hospital? That that was a lot of fun. Like hospital visits are really they're a really really cool thing. That like it's it's like this weird double edged thing because it's like you know a lot of us when we think of like helping out people in need, like that's one of the first things that you think of. You know, but hospital visits are very, very few and far between. There's a lot of rules with the hospitals. Like, you know, we, we still to this day, the kids have never gone to the hospital to help with that because it's always you have to be, you know, you can't you have to be 18 and up and you have to sign, you know, like there's a lot of rules in the hospitals, mm-hmm. especially concerning other kids, you know. So um, my wife and I had been lucky to do a few events with Rebel Legion who has like we've there's been a couple of uh, events where they requested a Sabine and Canaan and we were able to be the Sabine and Canaan and it was really really when my wife goes to the hospitals like it's really one of the best things I think for um she's really really good with the kids like and I know like all of us are kind of really really good with the kids but one of the things about my wife is she also speaks Spanish yeah. and in this hospitals a lot of times there's kids around here that don't speak English so like that's really really cool when Sabine can walk in there and just be like, oh dude, I speak Wookie and Spanish and everything. So like I can talk to you guys, you know, like, and that's like, you know, these are the kids that when Darth Vader comes up, he can basically just say, hey, I'll pose for a picture with you. But the, it's hard to understand each other unless they have a Vader that also speaks Spanish, yeah. which I'm sure there are. But it, I think my wife is really really excellently suited to to those kind of visits because I feel like a lot of those kids, you know, they're they're not able to say their piece a lot of times to a lot of the people because a lot of us are just like oh look i'm, I'm sorry i don't uh, i don't I, no no hablo <laughs> you know yeah but to be able to talk um yeah so just that is like a huge thing for her and the kessel toy run was really 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 fun and uh i think it was really really well handled because we were able to not only give the gifts but we hung out in the rooms with them for a while we did room visits for some of the kids that couldn't leave their rooms. Yeah. And um, I was able to get Sabergill involved with it, which, um, like, we haven't done, as, as a group, Sabergill hasn't really done a lot of, uh, we don't have those connections. We're not really as big as the 501st and Rebel Legion. Like, those are the ones that everybody thinks of first, and they get all the first calls. So it, it was really good for, um, it was great that I was able to get in contact with Brandon and be like, look, can my guys get in there? And I can bring you Jedi, and I can bring you Sith, you know? Yeah. I can bring you smiles. So we, but we got a Ray and a Kylo, you know, I, I did Kanan. My wife had a Jess Pava. So we like mixed it up a little bit and then we had a lot of Jedi and Sith. So it was a, it was a good time. It seemed like it, that was a much better uh, charity event this year than we've 
than Jason's had in the past with other um, like ticket outlets. Right. So to right. Say. So hopefully but they do that uh, again uh, next Christmas. Yeah. I hope it becomes an annual thing. And it's definitely like it, you can see the difference from like, I mean, not to like bad talk the ticket things, but like you're just trying, you're trying to work with a company to, to do something that the company doesn't really want to do. And it, or it's just this guy who works at the hospital who's just trying to make this thing happen. And it's all the podcast people coming together you know, like Blue Harvest was really instrumental in generating a lot of money with their with their Christmas special. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I talked to Haas and it was really cool to hear him kind of talk about it and him just be like, look, dude, I was a kid who spent a lot of time in the hospital. Like, I know it sucks. <laughs> like, so to see him like, you know, find find kind of find a torch to pick up for that. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, especially if you can brighten a kid's uh, day around the holidays. I know when I was younger, we didn't have a lot of money and um, we were actually very poor. And there were days mm-hmm. when churches would have to basically bring all of our Christmas presents. Otherwise, we wouldn't have Christmas. So, like, right. it's, I, I know what it means to be given stuff like that. So, like, it can really have an impact. And I think it's yeah. pretty awesome. That's really, really cool. And there's a lot of things that... um. Like there's a lot of uh, there's another group around here and they're called Kids Can Cosplay, and they you know, like we've seen them at a lot of the cons locally. They show up to those things and you know Axel and Lizzie are kids, so like Axel and Lizzie have done panels with them and like they're really really cool people. And that guy who's in charge of that also organizes things like that. We've done a couple of Christmas uh, uh, ones at churches like that that you're talking about, where they basically bring in families that that need help. Uh, you know, and they there's a there's a Santa Claus, and you know they have us with that are the Star Wars people, but they also have like a, you know they have Iron Man and Captain America and, and Disney princesses and stuff. So it's really really cool for things like that. You know, we've we've done some at like boys and girls clubs in Garden Grove that does does the same kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, those are the kind of things that I really like to do, because mm-hmm. um, it that's that's what at the end of the day I got into the clubs to do, not just to, you know. Uh, do do a photo shoot and 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 get into Long Beach Comic Con for free, you know. <laughs> like I I really like I dress up so I can bring smiles, and I wanted I like doing it with the family because I think it 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 helps impart that to the children, you know, that they can see, like just little things you can do can make life better for each other. Yeah, it's I think like that's important. A you know? way to give back and put good into the world, you know. Yeah, even if it's through, if it's through silly plastic spacemen. <laughs> So in preparation for tonight's episode, I had a couple of polls on uh, the Twitter feed, and I was wondering if we could go over those results and just talk about them a little bit. Um, the first poll was, uh, what is your favorite season of Rebels so far? Uh, the winning vote was season one with 33%. This was a really close vote. All the other ones had 22%. So what's your favorite season of Rebels so far? Oh, I don't know, man. It's hard. I guess I guess I'm gonna have to I'm gonna hold off on season four to see how it resolves. So I guess if I have to pick between one and three. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm gonna have to go th- three, maybe. Yeah. It was a lot of like really, really cool things in three. Like and I really like the uh I like a lot of the force expansion and the characters that are coming into their own. And I feel like in season three, 
like a lot of that groundwork has already been laid and we're able to see things like we're able to see Sabine. We're like Sabine's trial was a huge, like one of some of the best episodes, I think. Yeah. Uh, and the you know, the, the whole, yeah, the Bendu with Kanan was like really, really cool. The, um, the stuff with Hera and her family a little bit, like there was a little bit of that and, 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 and her home, you know, we even get like chopper, like lost in the past of a Y wing you know, there was there was a lot of cool stuff I thought in season three, and then the whole I think uh, the finale of season three, yeah, was one of my favorite season finales, and I think because um everybody had like, like I think all the characters had a fair time and attention, like a hero moment and a thing to do if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, like you know Zeb and Rex were like doing the groundwork, and then Kanan was like doing the Bendu thing, and then. Hera was doing the piloting and then also leading the base and Sabine and Ezra went to go get the Mandalorian. So like all the characters really came together to like make that, that, uh, that, that whole battle, you know what I mean? So I, I really dig the way they did that. I have high hopes that season four will end up being my favorite, but that kind of depends on Monday. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's looking good. It's looking good. But uh, it's looking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Mm-hmm. The next poll I had was, what is your favorite member of the Ghost Crew? Um, and Hera won out with 56%. Okay. Um, not surprised by that, actually. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think, I think I, yeah, I skewed towards the younger ones. Like, I really, really like Ezra and Sabine. Yeah. Like, I, I, I like Kanan a lot, but I always feel like it's unfair for me to pick Kanan. Because you can. And then, but... But, like, I also say, like, dude, like, he's got comics and I got a book about, like, so I feel like I have more to work with with Kanan, like, even without the show. Sure. But I feel like, I feel like Sabine, like, for the first two seasons, there wasn't a lot with her. But I feel like the last two seasons, she has grown a lot and there's, like, a, a there is a lot with her. So I think I, I might have to say Ezra just because, you know, from where he started to where he is now, like has had the most, not only like growth, but just like really cool things. Like I can remember being that kid kind of, you know, and I see that kid a lot in my son. So, I mean, maybe that's part of it too. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like I, I can understand that and I really connect with that character uh, in a weird way, even though I feel much more like a cane and I'm older and I'm like, you know, I'm not that kid, but I can see, I can see, I can recognize that kid in a lot of people. Do you like Ezra's nicknames, like the Disney Street Rat or um, Blueberry? I like Lothrat. Lothrat. I like I like I like the in-universe names, <laughs> not so much the out-of-universe names. All right. Yeah, I go. I, I don't. I don't like Space Aladdin. Space I don't really Aladdin. like uh, what you call him. Uh, uh, yeah, what'd you say, Disney Disney Rat or whatever? Yeah. I like I like Lothrat, and I like. Uh, I'll go with Lothrad for now. All right. Yeah. Oh, I like Pirate Jedi. I wish that. Uh, I think I still think that could happen. Pirate Jedi was good. With uh. uh with Mr. Onaka. Uh, yeah. Hondo. Hondo. Yeah. He's coming yeah. back for the finale. Yeah, the man. Preview. He's one of my favorite. He's one of my favorite characters as well. He, the first couple seasons of uh, Rebels. Do mm-hmm. you remember when they were doing the? Uh, March Madness thing on StarWars.com and they kept flipping uh, Hondo's allegiances where he'd be on the dark side one year and on the light side the next year. Huh. That's funny. I never noticed that. I remember the. I know what you're talking about, but I just never, 
yeah, I guess I never, uh, I didn't take too much part in that. I remember like voting a few times, but I don't remember going back every, like I know they were, okay, today it's Sabine versus such and such. And this thing, it's Leia versus whoever, you know? Yeah. But I, I don't think I, I wasn't like really, really keeping up with it. I, I would just be like, oh, well, Obi-Wan won this year. Okay. Or whatever it was. Be you know? a dork. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I followed it pretty heavily. I think Yoda mm-hmm. won. No. Yoda won the first year. Vader won the second year. And Obi-Wan won the third year. Right, right. Um, cool. So you were really kind of blessed <laughs> in a way where you were invited to the premiere of the second half of Rebels um, over at Lucasfilm, right? Right, right. How, what was that experience like? Uh, we've done it a few times, and it's been like it's been like the first time we did it, we were like, well, this is a thing that we just have to do. It's never going to happen again. So we all pile in the car, and you got to call the kids out of school, and it's a five-hour, six-hour, seven-hour drive up to San Francisco to do it, and it's. It, and it's really, really cool. It's really, really fun. And, uh, like, watching Rebels in a theater with a bunch of other people who like Rebels, like, I don't even know how to... I mean, it's kind of like being... If, if you were at... I don't know how your screening of Last Jedi went, but if you went to go see Last Jedi on day one and a bunch of people were cheering, that's probably a lot of what it was like, but it's for Rebels instead. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, I think that excitement is really, like... And then on top of that... uh it's in a weird way like i think we represent the rebels to a lot of people so every time we go there's always people that recognize us and people that are like oh like it's the rebels family and like like at celebration we went on stage during the panel yeah just because they were like hey can we bring you guys on stage and we were like okay i mean we can watch the panel though right and they were like sure all right cool then we're in well i mean you were cosplaying as the characters before the series ever was debuted so right, like right. they knew that you were you were definitely one of the first adopters of rebels for right sure. right and it's funny because like i think if we did that now like that, that wouldn't like people like how many rays and kylos were there before the movie even came out like that's not a like when we did it that was a thing yeah if, i think now if you did it like it wouldn't even be a big deal anymore you know what i mean like now star wars is blown up like i don't it, it, i don't think I don't know. Like, I don't think we can ever do that again because yeah. it wouldn't mean anything. And I don't know if anybody else could ever do that either. Like, I don't know if what, let's say the next show comes out and then boom, these five people are up there like, Hey, we're the characters before we then like, that'll be cool. And I bet you they will, but I bet you there's going to be like five people popping up in every city and every, you know, I bet there's gonna be five people at New York comic con doing it. And five people at San Diego comic con doing it mm-hmm. because like now that's what like everybody does. Like, and some of the people like really connect and they're like in the universe. Like, I, like if you know, uh, 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 Bria who yeah. did, was like the first item, you know, but she also like very, she's been around for a while. She follows like the books. She knows everybody at Del Rey. So like when she dressed up as Iden, she didn't just like dress up as Iden and like go, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? Like she, she knew, she knew the people and also like, she also, like she, she really loved and represented the character. Like, so she, like she did it kind of like what we did and was very, very well received and like recognized for it. And that was like really, really cool. But you never know. Like there's always, it's just like, it's, I always wonder like, you know, cause a lot of people will ask us, Hey, like, okay, rebels is ending, man. What's next. Mm-hmm. 
I, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not even, <laughs> I don't like plan out my costumes. Like, okay, well, the Han Solo movie's coming out. So what are we doing from Han Solo, guys? Like, we kind of just dress up like characters that we have fun with. Yeah. You know, my wife did Ray just because she, she really liked Ray. I, I only have two costumes. I have Kanan and I have Voss. I have a few Kanans and I have a few Vosses and I'm working on a few more. My, my boy likes young Boba Fett a lot. He likes young, I think right now, like he used to like Ezra a lot more, but I think right now he enjoys being young Boba Fett a lot more than he enjoys being Ezra. He likes having I also think, yeah, but also he likes having the pistols like, and being the bad guy. And when he dresses up as Boba Fett, he can go hang out with the Mandalorians Mm -hmm. and he loves hanging out with the Mandalorians. Like, so there's like a lot of, a lot of community in it and with it too. You know what I mean? I do. And like my, my, my little girl also, now that my little girl's doing Sabine, Every time she shows up, the Mandalorians are like, all right, you know, get over here with us. Like, they'll take her away from us. Hey, you come come over here. They want pictures of the Mandalorians. Come over here, Sabine. Sabine, we need you over here with us. Like, you know, so I really like that in the community, there's a lot of people that, that really, really welcomed us into it. You know, in addition to the people at Lucasfilm that welcomed us into it. So, I mean, when you have kids costuming, it just instantaneously makes the pictures way more cuter, you know? So Yeah, definitely. 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 They want to... Get Sabine in the Mando Mercs. Um, yep. Did, did you get a lot of uh, love and attention s- since they know that Kanan is so basically kind of personal to you at the premiere? Um, I like, guess if you're talking about this last one that we did. Yeah. Like the last one we went to was basically the episodes Jedi Knight all the way through uh, worlds between worlds or world between worlds. Mm -hmm. So at this next event, like uh, we all, everybody was on edge and nobody knew what was going to happen, but we're all kind of there. And actually we were sitting really close with, um, if you know, Amy Ratcliffe who writes for Nerdist and she's also on lattes with Leia. She does a lot of star Wars stuff. She's starwars.com. She hosts celebration panels and things like that. Yeah. Also just a really, really cool person who I've seen at a few cons and like, I think Amy Ratcliffe was one of the first people to take a photo of us and post it as like, Hey, these are the rebels and I'm going to interview Vanessa Marshall today. Like weird, you know, like, so back when we started, like she was kind of one of the first people that we met and she's super, super, super nice and wonderful and knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. So we're sitting really, really close with her and we had been talking all about what are we going to do? I don't know. And she was like, I don't know, man, I'm really worried about you. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and I was like, hey, dude, like, I'm I'm really worried about me. And then we we're sitting and a thought occurred to me and they were like right behind me. And I turned around to her and I said, hey, what if after we see the show? I get more hugs than anybody else in this place. <laughs> and she gave me like this really, really, really sad look. And I was like, oh, man, that might happen. And it did. I, I, the, the, there was an intermission between the first two episodes and the second two missions. Uh, episodes. So there was like a 15 minute break where you can go to the bathroom or get up. So I ended up getting up and, you know, walking around to say hi to people. A lot of, a lot of us, uh, especially me, I'm from, I'm driving up from down there. So these are people that I see every now and then at these things. These are Northern California 501st or my fellow Saber Guild members from Northern California, or just people who have followed my Instagram and the family since, you know, or people at Lucasfilm that like, you know, have also, uh, you know, like Matt Martin is always very, very nice to us and things like that, you know? Yeah. 
So everybody was like, are you okay? People were giving me boxes of tissues. Are you all right, man? You're going to be okay? Everybody gave me hugs. What did you call Matt the other day? Fight Club Matt. Are you asking about (laughs) Fight Club Matt? Oh, yeah. Now this is podcasting theory on Fight Club Matt is that he like acts like this really cool super cool nice guy but like on wednesday nights he goes down to the basement of a bar and just like beats the living hell out of people with his fists and he like rules the fight club at his particular uh you know in his neighborhood matt will straight up cut you right (laughs) yeah matt will straight up cut you matt doesn't care matt and aj are both so gangster it's not even funny and mean gene aj Yeah, but if you meet them at like the Lucasfilm booth or anything like that, they're the nicest people. Just stay away from whatever bar that is. (laughs) That's all. And don't talk shit about porks. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't talk any shit about anything that you think that they're into. Like, you know, if you see them at Disneyland and don't don't bitch about how long the line is because they will fucking punch you out of the line. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. So, Fight Club Matt. So... To talk a little bit about some of the actual episodes, um, do you think that Kanan's cutting his hair was a return to his true self? Do you think he's trying to be Caleb again in that moment? I think, I mean, I think that's one way of looking at it, but I think it's a little bit of like, I think it's a little more symbolic of like, to me, a lot of the stuff that I really connect with with Kanan is a lot of the like, the Ronin and the samurai ideals of like these, these people that are these warriors that are lost. Mm-hmm. Like when he was a Jedi, he had his code and he had his thing. And when that all fell apart, he was lost. And so he, he grew out his hair and when he lost his sight, he got even, he got even more scruffy. His hair got even longer. Um, and when he sort of cleaned it all up in that episode, I think it was like more, s- symbolism of like the samurai who's letting go but i also think like it could be taken as that he's returning to to the caleb that we all know but i also wonder about um there's a line that harris says where she says you know we haven't had you haven't had your hair this short since i met you so in the book a new dawn he's described as having a ponytail and having long hair so in my head canon that's when they met and then boom, he joins her. And I think soon after that, he sort of cleans himself up. Like maybe she cleaned him up and cut him, cut his hair. And that was the last time that he sort of cleaned up before the real battle started getting, you know, harder and harder, Sure. Uh, you know, before the empire got worse. So I, I wonder if it's like, cause it almost seems like her saying that leads me to believe that it's not even a return to Caleb. Cause he already returned to that short haired, he was that short-haired person as Kanan before he picked up the saber again. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, it, it, he's definitely going through some ritual where he's preparing himself. I, I think people have said that he may have had a vision that known that he, he was going to die in that moment or prepared himself to die. Um, right. Like he was just going into it with a very – serious focused tone do you know what i mean yeah and i think uh that if you if you listen to the voices that are happening when he's in there some of those lines are lines that happen later in the episode so like i think he totally saw what was going to happen 
When he you gets I mean? his eyesight back, what do you think that that is? Do you think he actually got his eyesight back? or? Um, Filoni explained it as um, he said that like in that moment when he's letting go of his like physical self, he's free of all the, the like he's also freeing himself of all the like scars and uh, limitations of the physical self as well. And in that moment, he is able to see her. And that's the way he kind of keeps his promise when he left uh, Atolan that last time before Malachor, where he said, like, we will see each other again, I promise. That was his way of, like, kind of keep being able to keep that promise at the last moment when he let go of everything. That's the way Filoni described it. And that's what I, I, that's how I see it, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, coming from Filoni is a good uh, reason to see it that way. I, when I first saw it, I thought it was a callback to um, Kanan's conversation with Hera, that he, where he says he wishes that he could see her again, and then Hera says, "You could always see me," and right. just that, like, I don't think that he actually got his eyesight back as much as in that moment he understood what that meant and that he actually saw her uh, in his mind through, like, the Force kind of deal. Mm-hmm. That's what I had interpreted. Yeah. Okay. How do you That's think cool. uh, Kanan's death is going to leave a mark on the rest of the Ghost crew? Like, um, it's It's kind of interesting. I like... Like the next episode after it, I really like that we got into into a little bit of that. Like you see the characters reacting to what happened, like and I, I really like that. Yeah, I really like that they took the time to do that. And like part of me always wonders because like we're getting like these two episodes at a time now, mm-hmm. and it's it's happening fast. Like Monday, it's done. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like, but also like when you put the things together like that, I wonder if 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 um. Maybe we brush over things that we would have been like, imagine that Kanan died last week and then you're waiting all next week to see what's going to happen next. And the next episode is just them kind of dealing with it. Oh, that would be bad. I I imagine a lot of people would be like, oh, what the hell? Like nothing happened. They just all kind of sat around for a while and then decided, I guess we got to pick ourselves up. You know, like I think people would not have liked the episode. You know, that would have been one of the ones where they were like, oh, what's up with this filler episode? But why did you really, paint like, Rook? <laughs> yeah. Why did you paint Rook? Or Well, I think people are still like, why did you paint Rook? <laughs> you know, that, I yeah. don't think any that's that's not a that's not a time thing. But I like people. Well, I don't know about people, but I really like the episode. But I've seen, you know, a lot of the discourse about what happens with these things. Um, I like that they gave them that space because like. It makes it real in a way that a lot of these shows and things like they don't really take that time in the movies. You don't have that time in the movies. Obi-Wan died. He cries about it. There's two lines and then, Hey, what are we doing? Tie fighters coming. Let's get in the turrets. All right, let's go. You know, like we don't get time to sit with that. So in this kind of medium where we really get to deal with that, I like that they made a point to do so. So that makes me happy. I think, and also, Oh, go ahead. I think Hera is going to have a fantastic arc in this season um, so much. And like the way that she goes through that mourning process is like yeah. really special um, because she's such a strong character um, mm-hmm. and 
to know her feelings for Kanan and to see her actually confess her love, basically, to say that she loves him and to have their moments of intimacy or whatever, like, and then to have him taken away, you see the mourning process that she goes through. And then mm-hmm. like, she adds uh, the symbol of him onto the, the doll thing. Um, right. Calicori. The cal- the Calicori. Like, I, I think that we've heard her, I think she's going to give a speech in this last episode to rally the troops, uh, okay. to give them hope and to, basically be a leader in the midst of in all this grief like that's got to be so hard to do but i think she's gonna do it in ways that's gonna basically make us all cry it was a simple story about a boy who was lost and a girl who was broken they fought alongside a survivor a war veteran and a fallen knight. I led them into battle against an evil so terrible it tried to black out the stars. We fought for each other. We fought for those who could not. Okay. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Okay, so let's get into the acid trip that it... No, I'm just kidding. Of <laughs> the wolves at the door in the world between worlds. Oh man, what did you think of these? Um, at the time, it was like a lot to process because I was still dealing with the other stuff that just happened yeah. <laughs> like 20 minutes ago. So, like, but wh- like it, now that I'm able to watch the episodes fresh a little bit, um, even at the time, like, that was a strong reaction. I really, really liked, um, I think I've said this on, on the Steel Show as well, but it's my thing is. I really want to know, not even like, I guess, uh, the motivations, but I think understanding where the wolves, like, true intentions lie is the key to understanding what Kanan's mission and their mission, and, and I think by default is going to be Ezra's mission. Because I know, like, they're for the planet and they're for the planet, but they led him to the Jedi Temple. They gave him the key to open the door. Did they know that this was going to happen? Is that part of it? Or did they only want him to seal? Because, you know, at the end of the episode, he sort of seals off the temple for all intents and purposes. You know, it, it's it's like gone. I don't know if it can come back or what. Is that what they wanted? Was that part of it? Are they protecting the, the force, the force powers or places of power like that, 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 that um, world between world gate? Yeah. Or is that only part of it? They're sealing that power away, and then, you know, are we still going to see them in the finale? Are they still – is getting rid of the Empire part of that plan as well? Like, So I, 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 I'm really curious to see where that goes. I think that there's a big theme of nature versus technology in Star Wars, and George yeah. definitely um, played into that with, like, Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Avatar? You probably yes. have. The movie, right? Yeah, the movie. Like, yeah. In the final battle of Avatar, the um, I forget what they're called. Natiri, Natiri. Yeah. I don't remember what they're called. Yeah, <laughs> they're basically they're outmatched. Called? The Natiri, I think it sounds okay. correctly. Um, 
basically they're That's either them or somebody's name. And they they go to the the mother tree, I I guess, and right, ask right. for help from nature, basically. And so, it, it in the climax of the battle, when they're about to lose, basically the animals come to help them to defeat the enemy. I could see something mm-hmm. like that happening with the wolves. Right. In, yeah. In I, I really hope that happens. Like, you know what I mean? I hope that they still have a part to play, but yeah. I would really like to, I guess, understand it. And I really want to understand like, cause now they're communicating with Ezra. Mm-hmm. They communicated with Can- They communicated with Canaan and he served his role, whatever that was. But I think that role was also an instrument to putting Ezra in place. Cause now they're communicating with Ezra. You know what I mean? Like, now Ezra pulled Ahsoka out. Yeah. And then says, come find me. Mm-hmm. Like, that sounds like a pretty solid setup for a finale. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 unless, I mean, of course, there's always the chance that it could be like Ezra and Ahsoka, the comic book from Marvel or whatever. I, I don't. But, you know what I mean? Like, that to me, that sounds like a pretty solid setup for her being like, hey, found you. What's going on here? Oh, let's win. Are you a Lord of you the know, Rings fan? Uh, I, I dig the movies all, all right. I've never read the books or anything like that, so. Okay. Uh, I don't rewatch them often. Okay. Um, I have a theory that Ahsoka parallels Gandalf the Grey in Fellowship of the Ring. Basically, mm-hmm. Gandalf the Grey is the second tier wizard in the books. That's why he's grey and not white. And right. In Moria, he faces the Balrog, which is the fiery uh, demon on yeah. on a bridge. Mm-hmm. And then he falls into a chasm uh, with the Balrog, and they think that he's di- he's died basically. But right. he he basically battles the Balrog and beats it, but it cost him his life. Um, but his achievement and his sacrifice. It, <sighs> helps him get to another level in becoming a wizard so, to the point where he becomes Gandalf the White. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think that Ahsoka is going to do something like that in the Force where she's basically going to parallel Gandalf the Grey okay. and come back as Ahsoka the White in the finale to sort of save the day. I know that you said, you said on Now This Is a Podcasting that you don't want her to steal like the thunder of Ezra in the finale. Right. But I think she kind of, she may. Yeah. I I think that if the story's Ezra, it should stay Ezra's, you know, like I think she can come and she can help and she can probably do something really cool. But I also think that whatever the, like these four seasons have led to this. And in my opinion, and like based on the story, it's always kind of been Ezra's story. So I think whatever it ends on, it should be Ezra's triumph or Ezra's defeat or Ezra's sacrifice challenge and Ezra's choice or sacrifice. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think there's there's a lot of ways it could go. But um, I think at the end of the day, I, I. I'm pretty confident that that Ezra is going to be like the player in whatever happens. Yeah, like I, I think know? that. To do the series justice, they kind of have to make that happen. Right, right. 
Do you feel comfortable with the idea of the world between worlds and the possibility of time traveling now in Star Wars? I don't really have an issue with it. I mean, it kind of like harkens to the old like legends power of flow walking. Yeah. So I've like, to me, like it's kind of been around. The idea of it has been around and like, uh, but I like that it was done here and I like the way that they did it is very, uh, constricting, I guess. Cause like in the, uh, in, in what, in, in flow walking was a power in which the Jedi could basically like put himself back into different times and also into different people and sort of not only experience, but possibly change things, mm-hmm. uh, in the, in the past. And as but Ren it was did like something similar with Ahsoka. basically. Yeah. But in the books, it was more like a technique that could be learned and mastered. So in theory, like that, like that's just something that you learn how to do. Whereas this, it's really tied to these locations and these gates that open and close at certain times. So mm-hmm. I think like this limits it much more in that a way it can't, or not, I'm not going to say it can't, but it makes it a lot harder to abuse it. I think like in a story perspective, if, if you're uncomfortable with things like that, like it's harder to think of a way to fit that into a story. They have to find this gate and they have to get into access the gate and then they have to like uh, find the door and then like they have to access, you know, like, so there's a lot of limitations on it much more so than the limitations that were on the legends power. Um, in my opinion, it, it opens up the possibility of having a lot of gates though, or a lot of time. And I like the Mm -hmm. fact that they almost marked, uh, what the gates are so that you know, to make them recognizable. Mm -hmm. So like when that you see Kanan dying, that gate, um, basically has a Sith symbol above it. It's also the same gate that you see Palpatine in. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it may have been a trap that Palpatine had set to get Ezra to come through the gate um, right. with the Sith symbol on it. And then mm-hmm. there's another gate that has the Favier's, which could be a Canto Bite gate. Um, right. And then you see the Malachor gate, obviously, um, with mm-hmm. the triangles or whatever. But yeah. it's kind of cool that the gates are almost labeled um, so you know what you're looking at. I like that idea and I like that, um, I don't know. It's, it's like, it kind of goes back to the Mortis stuff for me, how Mortis is only accessed when it wants to be accessed or something. You know what I mean? Like they showed up to that place and Rex showed up to that place and Rex didn't see anything and they were in Mortis. Mm -hmm. And then when they left, it's not like they could go back. And it's not like they were gone a long time, but it felt like they were gone forever. Right. But it's like, I think like things like that, I really like the idea that it's almost like the will of the force that these people and places are able to interact with these things. So I think uh, like the idea of time travel, while I'm not necessarily a, a big fan of it, I think in this story, it, it, it worked and it was perfect. And, you know, I guess we'll just have to see what becomes of it, if anything. We may never see something like this again. Or, you know, you might read one of these, you know, a really bad book where they're, like, time traveling all over the place. And, hey, like, we're going to have Darth Vader hang out with Kylo Ren or something. You know what I mean? Like, 
or there could be something else really cool they do with it. So, you know, like I just kind of wait for the story. If the story's good, I don't care. Like, and I like the story. But there are so many ways that you could do a small change here or there that could change the entire saga to create an alternate universe. I mean, right, right. Preventing Qui-Gon from dying. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's just, it's, it, I, I, I like the possibilities that it it opens up, and um, the other thing well, I really liked is just hearing. I kind all of the also quotes. feel like, I mean, just really quickly, I feel okay. like it seems like the way that they've used it in here, it seems like the time travel that's done was always done. Like at the end of season two, she walks down the steps, and to me, that says that like he he did it already. Like mm-hmm. that he he always did it. He always saved her. So I don't like I think that is another thing which keeps us from like, well, now I'm going to bring Darth Vader back like or else he would already be back. Right. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. So I I kind of like that 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 is built into it as far as I can see. Like, you know, it's not like he brought her back or it's not like they showed her getting killed and blown up and then or she was a force ghost or something. And then he went and brought her back and now she's like, hey, I'm okay now. Like he literally leaves her where we see her at the end of season two. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I, I really like that. So I hope if they continue to do these things or these stories, or if they ever touch it again, like they sort of keep that mechanic in mind or I don't know. I try not to get too hung up on mechanics because I don't even understand stuff in the real world and I'm supposed to understand <laughs> stuff in this world. Like, yeah, I, I get you. It's, it's, it's faith, dude. <laughs> you know, it's, it's Indiana Jones. You, you go, you take it, you know, you take the step you and you believe. You take one step. That's, you don't yeah, have to, you, yeah. Yeah. The leap from Just, the dragon's mouth yeah. or whatever. And for me, it's all a story. And did the story serve its purpose? Like, I don't know. Like, that that got a huge reaction at the event that I was at. Yeah. You know, and, and I had a reaction when I saw it. I was like, oh, wow, like, this is pretty big and pretty crazy. <clears throat> Jonah Marie, uh, she led the Q&A that you were at. You know that, of course. Um, yes. She talked about on the <laughs> Wookiee Gunner um, <laughs> this week how her brain was mush after the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially, like, so, like, the second two episodes, she didn't ask any questions from Filoni specifically because she just was trying to get through the, the questions from the first two yeah. episodes. Um, -hmm. do you remember any of the, uh, Q and a that was asked about the last two? Um, let's see. I think, let me think. Um, yeah, I remember her getting up and I remember her asking questions. I remember her, uh, man, I know she asked her mom a question first. (laughs) Uh, so that was funny because she was like, look, uh, I'm going to call my mom first because she gave birth to me. So everybody deal with it. (laughs) So that was, that was pretty good. Um, and then when the audience asked questions, I don't remember anything except a lot of his answers. And he was basically talking about how now she's in, she's in play, like in the, back. in the galaxy. So having that, having her there, like it's kind of a game changer or, you know, like we, we're going to have to see what that means and how it how it pans out, you know what I mean? It's kind of frustrating that we know that she survived now, but we still have no idea what she was been doing for the last however long. Yeah, year and a half. Well, I still wonder, like, 
I mean, I, I presume her A-wing blew up when the temple blew up. So now she should like, it, I always thought even at the end of season two, it was my interpretation that she lived, but she was trapped there. Like, that's how I always interpreted it. I always thought she lived, but she was like stuck. Like Maul took one of the ships, Ezra and them escaped in the ghost and Vader flies his own ship out of there. Although I guess after the explosion of Vader ship was okay then I don't think there's any reason to think that she couldn't find her A-Wing. You remember the Topps trading and cards it's okay too. that uh, Filoni designed? Um, yes, sir. In the Ahsoka packs or whatever, mm-hmm. it looks like she may uh, come out another portal, which is how she gets off. Um, right, and that's that's I, that's what I take that to mean as well. Uh, have you heard of a Sky Talkers podcast with Charlotte and Caitlin? I think I've heard of them. I've I've never heard the actual podcast though. Okay, uh, Charlotte put together uh, basically a breakdown of all the quotes that are said in the world between worlds. Okay, it's it's pretty cool. Like it's really awesome to see basically prequels, original trilogy, sequels, and anthology movies all referenced in these right. quotes. Like that is just kind of awesome yeah I, I really dig that but i was also very surprised to hear Jin. like i didn't i didn't look at the list but i remember like when i watched it the last time i, I heard her like you know this is our chance you know to make a difference and i was like wait a minute Cheers. she's not for because for, in my head it was like force sensitive people and i heard cheer it but to me he's not a jedi but he's kind of force ish so yeah. like yeah that was my my go with that one but when i heard Jin, i was like oh wow that's weird okay you could argue that Jen is force sensitive. I mean, she has a kyber a crystal. Her mother tells her to trust the force. Um, and like when they are going through the shield gate, she kind of does a little thing with her necklace where she might almost be praying. If you are familiar with right, right. that kind of like holding a rosary kind of thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that argument can be made. <laughs> uh, I, I, I totally like. I mean, it it doesn't matter what I think because it's in it's in there. She's in there. Yeah. So you know, it's it's interesting to me. Yeah. Do you, you know? Are you okay with going over some predictions for Monday? Uh yeah, man. Let's go. Let's do it. How do you think Ezra's story will conclude? I don't know. They just dropped a teaser today that's starting to make me worry. Like all I, I was, I thought I was all done because I was like, "Well, Kanan's gone, and now everybody else is going to save the day." You know, he gave everybody the hope they needed, but now it's looking like Ezra might follow that example. Yeah. You know, like uh, at least that's the way everything like cut together. But what I really, really like the most, um, that it's looking like is like everybody is there. Mm-hmm. Like Ketsu is there, and Wolf and Gregor are there, and Hondo is there, and like Mart is there, and I saw Vizago in like kickback relaxing clothes was there. <laughs> like that, that really makes me happy because I don't know. Like there's a lot of people. Like I mean, take Vizago for instance. He's not really that. I never really like dug Vizago or thought he was like really really cool or anything, but his connection to the story that's been there since day one. And he was also on the planet and he was like doing scummy stuff and they were kind of dealing with him because they had to, but to have him come back and like 
you know, to bring his story kind of full circle in with them, like now they're all fighting for the planet together. That's crazy. This dude that was just a pirate, you know, buying guns from them at one point yeah. is now taking up arms with them against the empire. Um, so like, while he's not any, yeah, he's not like, like, I wouldn't call him like a very full developed character or anything like that, but I think it's really, really cool. And I don't know, man, something about it. Like when I saw him in the fight specifically, I just, that, that was something that I, I guess I didn't expect, you know, like Ketsu, I was like, Oh, that's cool. Like, you know, they sort of hint that she'll join up. Martin and them are already joined up, you know, Hondo, I, I kind of expected him to roll, you know, like he's all. Hondo can show Hondo changes allegiances like costumes or <laughs> goggles or something. I don't know. You know, like Hondo can flip. You know, he can go and say he's fighting with him, and then tell the stormtroopers and collect a reward. He like he flips three times an episode. It's all about the money for Hondo. Yeah. So like, just to see him like really take the and the the Hondo quote is the best like Hondo quote of all time. Like, you know, for that boy, I would do anything. Like. <laughs> That's cool, dude. Like now, like and not you know, Hondo's just Hondo's an excellent character anyway. But to see him come and actually join the fight, like it looks like not really for any kind of profit. Yeah, that's like cool. Do you think uh, Sabine will return to Mandalore? And um, I will that was take up the my Darth prediction Saber? at the beginning of season four. I don't know. I wonder if the Mandalorians will come see it. Like, I don't know. Like, I wonder if maybe her family will come help. Like, maybe not all of Mandalore will come help, but, like, maybe her... Because they went to go help them retake Mandalore, and apparently Mandalore's in another civil war now because they killed the Saxons, and now the Saxons are battling against the Wren clan and uh, the Vizsla clan and the Protectors and all of them that all joined uh, Bo. Yeah. So now that that is happening, they're either busy fighting or I wonder if her family's going to kind of break off and return the favor. You know, that would be kind of cool. Although that's how they did it last season. So that's also would be like a rehash of like, well, remember that one time they saved our daughter and brought our daughter back to us? Let's go help them again. <laughs> Send a ship of Mandalorians. Well, I mean, yeah. they have to kind of explain what the Mandalorians were doing in the original trilogy and why they weren't really a part of anything. Right. Well, I mean, I think them being in civil war is a pretty good explanation of why they're not helping anybody. But also the fact that they've built the Mandalorian culture like that, I think it's already kind of built in. They're not there because they don't really help people. Right. You know, they're they're, they're almost of, like, a, yeah, they're kind of Wakanda, like in that old school Wakanda way. And like, hey, dude, we just it's we protect our own people and we fight our own things and we're not bounty hunters for hire or anything. We're not here to fix the world. We're just trying to mind our own yeah. business kind of deal. That movie right. is so freaking good, by the way. Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go see yeah, Black really. Panther. I mean, really. Yeah. I, I, I totally predicted at the beginning of season four that I think that's where her story would end. She would return to Mandalore. Zeb could also return to his people. We know that Hera stays. So now that Kanan's fate is sealed, the only wild card is still Ezra. But I also said that he was going to stay on Lothal. And he, he's kind of already given that ultimatum. You know, he left, when he left the thing, he said, no, I'm going, but I'm going to stay there with my people. That's my home. So he's already said, like, he's already, for all intents and purposes, kind of left the rebellion. Do you think that you know? um, a Mandalorian Civil War would be a good backdrop for a live-action 
series, a TV series like streaming? Absolutely. I would watch that. <laughs> do you think they could do it cost effectively? Um, well, I'll put it this way. I know 15 Mandalorians who built their own costumes and they're not too expensive and they look pretty damn good. So like in a world where people can build their stuff at home, I think if they had a budget, they could probably build something just as good and make it look just as cool. Cause if like, not cooler and put an actor in it and, and, and have a movie, you know what I mean? Like, cause like if they're Mandalorians, they could just basically repaint some of the parts and get totally different characters. Do you know what I mean? So, right. Even yeah. if you look at, a uh, even if you look at Star Wars Rebels, for instance, that's basically what it is. Like they're all Mandalorians and they all have basically the same kit. There's like, there's like two or three different kinds of helmets two or three different kinds of shoulder pads, two or three different kinds of belts, and they all sort of interchange and like two or three different kinds of jetpacks, and then they all just paint it their own style. I'd love which to is see totally a way to work it. Filoni, um, basically show run that kind of show, uh, but we'll see. Um, yeah, that would be really really cool. Do you think Thrawn goes to the unknown reaches for some reason after the Rebels? Um, or it goes I back to Chiss. That would be cool, but I also wonder if, like, I see Thrawn's in such, he's like almost a wild card in a different way because there's such a history that there's like a fan expectation of what Thrawn is, but they brought him back into the show and they brought him into canon. So you would think that there's a show expectation for his resolution. You know what I mean? Like, for people that are watching this show, they probably want to see a resolution to Thrawn's story. They don't just want to see him, uh, for lack of a better simile, uh, get his TIE fighter knocked to spinning, and then he just kind of writes it and flies off into the distance. But he could be a great bad guy for another series. Like, if they were to do an animated series post-Return of the Jedi, <laughs> they could yeah. set him up to be a bad guy for that. They definitely could. But okay. also what they can do is like the good thing about Star Wars in an interesting way is even when somebody dies, their story isn't done like Kanan's dead. That doesn't mean that I might not get another really cool Kanan comic book or uh, Kanan uh, a novel, another novel or something like that. You know what I mean? Like there's always more stories to tell if they f feel like telling it. Yeah. So if they if they decide to kill Thrawn and bring his like show fate to a resolution, which I kind of feel like the Bendu's prediction almost like not demands, but like there's a little bit of an expectation there to see, Oh, where's his defeat? Where's his defeat with many arms surrounding him in a cold embrace? You know, yeah, like, like that, that plants a seed in rebels viewers minds. Now he might just make it out and then like later we get a book and it's like, oh, look, look, there he is in a cold embrace. We just want that payoff. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I really think for the audience of the show, it would probably be good to resolve his story here. But that doesn't mean we can't get Thrawn books like we got a Thrawn book coming up of him and Vader, Vader. palling around the galaxy. And somebody else had brought this up to me and they said, well, how can it has to be? He has to survive Rebels. Because the Thrawn book is basically when he joins the Empire all the way up into basically Rebels. 
So this book has to be after Rebels. Right. And I said, well, this book could take place during any time in that other book because that book kind of jumps around. It, like, it's him when he joins the Empire. Then it sort of jumps to like when he's a captain of a ship. Then it sort of jumps to him being an admiral. So like in between any of that, there's plenty of stories to be told, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely opens up a lot of opportunities. Um, and uh, he's such a popular character. Yeah. I think people are really interested in what his resolution is going to be in Rebels. Right. And he's such a popular character that also transcends the medium. Like, some people love Thrawn and have never watched an episode of Rebels. Well, yeah. yeah. So if they find out he gets killed in Rebels, they're probably not going to be too jazzed about that. You know, yeah. meanwhile, people in Rebels will probably be really, really jazzed that, like, finally that character got his comeuppance or whatever. <laughs> yeah, or, I mean. Oh, the Bendu was right, you know. So it's it's – I don't want to say it's, like, us versus them and all of that or anything because in the end it's all one big story. But you let a character live, you get possibilities of more stories. But even if you kill a character, you can still go back and tell other stories. So I think whatever is right for this story is what they're going to do. And I guess we'll just have to see what that is. Like, I don't think he has to die. But I think there is a little bit of like, like, I know I'm sitting there like, okay, where are these many arms in a cold embrace? Just waiting for somebody, (laughs) just waiting for some cold people to come out with arms. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't want to be on your bad side, Sal. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I... If you watch Rebels, there's kind of an ongoing tease that's subtly been laced in all four seasons. And it's basically a thing called Base Delta Zero, which is mm. an old EU... Um, Star Destroyer bombardment from space where they would basically destroy a planet from space. Right. Do you think that there's any chance that the Ralph McQuarrie Death Star that's in the middle of um, Lothal will take off and do a base Delta Zero from space at the end of the show? It does kind of look like it's taking off. I kind of thought it was just blowing up. I think there's definitely going to be a base Delta Zero because in the trailer, Thrawn is literally like orbital bombardment. Yeah. So that's happening. Like, he's bombarding the city. Uh, Whether with that thing, I think he's doing it with Star Destroyers, but I guess we'll just see. Whether that thing is a sort of giant escape pod for the Imperials or I don't know what. Well, because, like, in Jetta, before they shoot the Death Star, they basically pull out all the um, the Star Destroyer and all the troops. So, mm-hmm. like, before Thrawn does do the bombardment, it makes sense that they would pull all the forces out of Lothal and right. just do that. Like, like, this is the stuff that has me so excited for this season because Filoni seriously laid a lot of... Um, groundwork and in subtle hints that this would be coming Mm -hmm. even from like season one um rebels report in 1138 website had written articles from season one about this thing and it's just uh i just would really love to see it come to fruition 
Yeah. Well, I think we're going to see orbital bombardment. I just don't know if that Death Star is going to, that little whatever it is, Lothal Imperial City is going to fly away. Yeah. What I do wonder is, like, and my thing is a little bit in the bigger story of the, like, I, I'm not a person, like, I really enjoy canon and I like, I like finding connections, but I try to be not so, like, uh, stiff and solid in my canon. Like, I try not to be like, well, Yoda said that he was the last Jedi, so there are no other Jedis can exist. Sure. Well, Yoda didn't know that Bob the Jedi was over there just hanging out on a bar or some, you know, or whatever. Or Quinlan like, Voss, big, for example. Or Quinlan Voss, or anybody. Like, or it could have just been something Yoda said, or he could have just been said, like, you know, like, I think there's so many explanations and so many ways around, especially blanket statements like that, like, you got to consider the person. You got to. And a lot of people that are like, "Oh, I, this whole movie's like crap because Obi Wan doesn't recognize R two. No, I think Obi Wan recognizes R two. I think he just wasn't saying anything about it. Like, <laughs> he is like I think there's like logical and rational explanations to how these things connect, other than holding on to these things that are like, nope, this doesn't make sense. This movie is a failure. Uh, so that's how I try to be with my Star Wars understandings. Yeah. But the one thing that's sort of getting to me is the like the first rebel victory is on Scarif. So uh, if they destroy this tie factory, how is that not a victory? I mean, it, it might be a victory, but and it definitely isn't a victory like Scarif. But I I don't know what like I don't think they can retake the planet. I'm not sure. Like I I almost think the only way they can get victory. Because I'm gonna have to reference another Marvel movie. I think they're gonna have to take all their people off, like Thor did. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like yeah. I, I almost feel like they can't save the planet because if they retake a planet from Imperial control, that's a victory. That's a pretty big victory, I would think. That's something that can't be glossed over. You know what I mean? So Monday's if they escape with their people, loss. yeah. They, it's a moral victory. And the Empire can still spin it however they want. If they destroy the TIE factories and escape with their people, that's a moral victory. Like, that still doesn't have to be looked upon at the same thing. But also, once again, back to those wolves. How, what is their victory? And what are they, like... I, I don't, I, I, I just, I want to figure out what... I don't know, man. I just, what's going to happen, dude? Well, like, I mean, <laughs> they're expanding... This kind of gets into my last question, but Rebels really expands some of the definition and understanding of the relationship between the living force that's created from all living beings um, mm. and the cosmic force, and which can almost be described as the will of the force. Um, right. And how do they play hand in hand together? Like that, that's kind of interesting. And, are the wolves part of the living force or are they also in in tune with the cosmic force of what the bigger plan is for the galaxy? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I can understand that, but I think like, I think it's both just like people are, mm -hmm. you know, cause I think the living people are also, they all they're while they're living, they're still tied into the cosmic force. I think, yeah, you know, like that's I, like, I think the communication with Kanan and like that, like proves that through the living force, he was able to um, receive the will of the cosmic force. 
in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think that their connection is the same, but it's obviously like a lot more localized. Like the wolves, this is their home maybe, uh, and that's what they're fighting for. Or there's something, you know, like there's either, I don't, I don't know. Like there's still, it, it's the, the really cool thing about, is like, like Ahsoka says in season two, like the more you find out about the force, the more you find out you don't know anything. <laughs> you don't know shit. Like, and, I, and I really like that because whatever description I can give or explanation that I can give, there's always something like counterpoint to it or something that, that I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. like of all the really, really cool things that they've done, like the fact that they keep expanding it and keep making it, uh, mysterious is something that keeps it interesting. Cause if you start making just things set rules that then you're treating the force like a science and I think it should always be more like a faith. Like a religion, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think the Rebels' biggest contribution to the saga is going to be at when, it, when it's all said and done? Um, I don't know. I think I'm, I guess for now, I'm just going to go with the... I really like how they've been able to work in a lot of people listening to the message from the season one episode call to action where Ezra delivers the message before Tarkin blows up the communications tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we know that like Leia heard that message. We know his parents heard that message. And to me, that message is like the, uh, it, that is the spark that eventually Mon Mothma in season three or whatever. She's like, I'm calling for the, I'm openly defying the Republic, like she, when she makes her speech, mm-hmm. like his speech is the speech that galvanized the cells to form. Mm-hmm. Her speech is the speech that's galvanizing those cells to unite. Mm-hmm. And with the destruction of the Death Star and, the, you know, later on Solust was when all those cells finally start working together to pull, you know, a plan big enough to bring down the Empire. So I think for me, the biggest contribution so far is that Ezra really is the spark of the rebellion. Like he's just a kid from this planet who had enough, but his words and his actions were big enough to inspire people. We have been called criminals, but we are not. We are rebels fighting for the people, fighting for you. I'm not that old, but I remember a time when things were better on Lothal. Maybe not great, but never like this. See what the Empire has done to your lives, your families, and your freedom? It's only gonna get worse. Unless we stand up and fight back. It won't be easy. There'll be loss and sacrifice, but we can't back down just because we're afraid. That's when we need to stand the tallest. That's what my parents taught me. That's what my new family helped me remember. up together because that's when we're strongest as one you're a smart cookie you stole my freaking answer busted <laughs> see that's what happens if you let me go first dude oh man i think that ezra definitely gives hope to the freaking galaxy in that in that moment and like 
it's something that I don't think that people felt for a long time. In the prequels, there's not a lot of hope. Um, but Ezra's little speech gives people hope. And it, it does it does bring the cells out um, to kind of unify the cells uh, for a common mission. It even says it in the... Uh, who is Savage's... Um, he's got a character in Rebels. Um, Ryder Azadi. Ryder. Ryder has, even says it that... Your voice started something. That something has grown bigger than I ever imagined. I think that that is kind of the biggest contribution for Rebels. Um, and it, it gives hope to the, the rebel cells. Yeah. I like, think it's like, yeah, everything like builds upon each other. Like, like, like we know that there's been like Saw Gerrera and those partisans have been fighting forever. And like, you have people like Hera's family that have been fighting forever. Um, you know what I mean? So there are these cells out there. And I think like, I think Ahsoka says it at the end of season one where she's like, Oh, I thought we were supposed to be secret and not supposed to know about the protocol has changed. Now we're going public with the cells and we're letting the cells know that other cells exist. And that's when they start kind of working. And then in season two, you know, like, okay, we need to work with the cell on Ryloth. Okay, we need to help these people that are trapped on Mygito. Or, okay, we're going to join Phoenix Squadron. And that's when the cells start kind of working together. And then in season three, she gets them to really start working together. And now we're on Yavin and we're putting together bigger missions. They have a common mission, uh, yeah. Yeah, so like I think all of these things build upon each other, and then Scarif is like the first big victory of the alliance, and that's when, you know, the then the the the, the Empire shuts down the Senate, you know, and then like the Death Star happens, and then a lot more people join the rebellion. So I, I really like how um how everything builds. It's like a like a snowball effect of of how the rebel cells unite and build upon each other. But I like that Ezra really is one of the big sparks, one of those steps, and I think a really, really important one. And you know what's kind of cool is Ezra's basically just a podcaster. Yeah, from a family <laughs> of podcasters. <laughs> That's just kind of crazy because, um, like, they basically produce radio shows, and that's – they just have a broadcast antenna that is how he sends the message. Like, so basically – the hero of the story is just setting up a podcast and like I think that that's kind of important to tell our kids especially to like share their voice and to be who they are Mm -hmm. um I don't know if you've heard of a movie called pump it up or pump up the volume with uh Christian Christian Slater Slater. (laughs) but like it's kind of a cool movie and he's basically doing pirate radio where he takes a risk to be himself under the disguise of like voice altering um technology or whatever and mm-hmm. he encourages other teenagers to talk hard is his w- phrase to basically steal radio waves and to create podcasts it's ahead of his time back in the 80s or mm-hmm. 90s mm-hmm. have you ever seen that movie at all uh more of a gleam in the cube guy i know i've seen pieces of it but i don't think i've actually sat down and watched it that was more about the skateboarding aspect of christian slater movies <laughs> okay all right yeah it does have the chick that's in um 
Broken Arrow with him in it as well. But yeah, I do want to thank you for coming on with me, man. It's been really fun. Yeah, no, it's 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 great, dude. I, I like talking Star Wars. I like talking Rebels. Sorry, it's been so late and my schedule's been a little bit crazy, but I'm glad we we're able to work something out. Yeah, um, it, it's kind of awesome seeing you pop up here and there right now. Uh, where can people follow you? I am at I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Sally Make Music. Um, I have a website. The whole family has a website called theroguerebels.com, and we post things like we all the podcasts we do and costuming. And my daughter makes a lot of food from Freddie Prince Jr.'s cookbook. Uh, <laughs> so there's like just a, a lot of kind of stuff going on there, and we want to keep making like different and cool content that 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 we. You know, just like little things that we can write up. So it's kind of a blog, but the whole family takes part in it. So generally, there should be something for everybody. You can hear me weekly on Now This Is Podcasting I love over that at MakingStarWars.net. <laughs> um, my daughter also has a podcast, Star Wars Geek Girl. So they have fun. If you want to hear Star Wars from like two 15-year-olds' perspective, that's, your, that's, that's the go-to. Yeah, that's good times. Like you want to talk shipping, talk shipping with teenagers. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it, dude. Like just search out the rogue rebels are chances are you can find us. Cool. If you want to email me your predictions for the rebels finale, uh, feel free to do so at moonjockeyspodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet me at moonjockeyspod on Twitter. My personal account is also available at balls and play on Twitter and Instagram. Next week, we're going to be talking about our top five character designs of the prequel trilogy with Holly Fry from Full of Sith. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to that. <laughs> that actually sounds fun. <laughs> She's really great at basically creating her own Star Wars clothes, and she's kind of a seamstress. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. A so... much better sewing person than I. <laughs> she's really yes, I've talented seen her work. at that. Um, so I, I'm... Interesting to pick her brain on the character designs of the prequels. Um, yeah, so. I envy I envy people like her. Like when they're like, "Well, I I felt like making a Greedo dress, so I made a Greedo dress," and I'm here like trying to make costumes for four people and being like, "Hear me, baby, hold together." <laughs> What's a double stitch yeah. again? <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm really not good at things. Like the thing, like I think my one strength in costuming is I'm. Re- pretty decent at like painting armor and making it look really cool and weathered but as far as sewing goes like just good enough to make clothes that don't fall apart <laughs> when placed on people yeah so you know i was really really proud when i made i made my season three canaan shirt myself oh yeah because I, it's it yeah it, it that was like i i just can't I have to figure out how to do this, <laughs> you know, like I've been costuming for a while and I can't just keep turning to people and be like, I'm sorry, can you help me with, with another, I, I, I just can't like, so I, I sort of like patterned it off of a shirt that I had and tried to like mock it up. And even now when I look at it, it's like a tiny bit imperfect, but it holds together pretty well. It it looks like Kanan's shirt. Um, I'm, I'm really good at picking out colors and materials. So that part I got down. Uh, just the actual assembly of fabrics is not something that comes easy to me. I would have to go to my mother-in-law because she actually is a seamstress and made a lot of my wife's clothes growing up. Um, so, like, I would have no nice. idea what uh, what to do about any of that. But awesome! That sounds cool. At least you have somebody that like, like, 
Yeah, I just I have a we have a sewing machine. We have a like a pretty nice sewing machine as if I'm to trust the people who sold it to us. <laughs> um but it's been putting together my costumes just fine like we've had it for a couple of years. I think I used it the first thing I used it on was to finish Liz's uh resistance pilot. Mhm. And it worked really well on that. And since then, I've 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 made like Axel's uh, Imperial Cadet little disguise with it, and you know, so nice. It, so did you it's, go it, to it, Joanne it Fabrics to get the patterns and stuff, or do you have to make that yourself? No, I kind of like I don't I don't I don't think I even know how to use a pattern. First of all, okay. I've started like I either find something that I can alter. And then sort of like draft up my own patterns off of measurements and off of looking at pictures pulled from YouTube or whatever I can find. Sure. Uh, for the most part, like for instance, I remember one of the things that I kind of did. I did Ray's pants for 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 my wife. My wife does Ray. Yeah. The resistance uh, Ray. So on her pants, there are these like really weird like knee pads that she has. Okay. So. I know, like, I really pulled apart, like, every picture I had, okay, there's, like, six little, five little segments in the knee pad, and then they're, like, kind of puffy, so I had to learn how to use batting, and then, like, they look somewhat, like, hexagonal, so should I, like, you know, some shots, they look like they're curved, like they're an oval, so should I make them like an oval? I think the first one I made like an oval, but then once more reference came out, you know, now the last Jedi was coming out, I ended up making her new pants, and I made them more accurate. And a little bit better, you know. The hope is that I am improving at a snail's pace. Yeah. We're but, you know, it's like, digital yeah. or the Blu-rays come, like, in the next two weeks or so. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait for that. That'll be good. Because it can be so deceiving if it's, like, what kind of pattern that they sew material in. <laughs> because <laughs> you don't get, like, up-close, detailed shots of that very much yeah for me like the biggest thing that i always do is the fabric and the colors like it's really really important to me like i always have to go and like really like even if i i uh, you know a lot of times we're like hey i don't know like my first canon shirt i i i got a seamstress to to do it for me mm -hmm. but i went to the fabric <laughs> district and i found the colors to make it because you know like I know what I'm looking for and I don't want somebody being like, okay, yeah, I'll make you this. And then it comes back and I'm like, why is this like yellow and mustard? Have you like, ever I had need a, the colors to be exact. Have you ever had to dye anything? Um, yes. I'm looking into doing that now. <laughs> I've dyed, I dyed the flight suit, uh, for Jess Pava. Cause it had to be like a, a more red orange than the usual uh -huh. orange. So I dyed that. I, I think that's the only thing that I've really died. Uh, yeah, that's the only one that I, yeah that I've really done that way. But I have a uh, I'm working on a clone. Okay, secrets. Yeah, it's not a secret. I'm Voss. Uh, I'm working on a Clone Wars animated version of Voss. And his like the top of his uh, tunic, it's like a very 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 dark brown like muted dark brown instead of a black. Yeah. Like almost a gray, but like very, very slightly. Like it's, it's like, so I got one that's like very charcoal gray, the fabric, but I'm going to like hit it with a little bit of brown so that it gets that, the more dirt feeling. reddish, yeah, that tone to it. So it doesn't look exactly like my pants. So, 
but I have like my little extra pieces because now I got to cut test pieces and like put pieces in for five minutes, put pieces in for 10 minutes, put pieces in for 15 minutes and see which one looks right. Does if clone, any. Does the animated Clone Wars Voss have dreads too or is it more? Um... No, he has dreads. Okay. Yeah. So I want to get a, a canon. I want to get a canon Voss going because um, a, a, a lot of the uh, the Five First and the Rebel Legion, we have a, a really big clone presence here. Like, yeah. there's a lot of clones that do troops here. You have the so, old man. Re- I do a lot of stuff, right? Um, there's a the, one of the guys that does old man Rex is here. We have a couple, I think, that do old man Rex. So those are always fun to do Rebel stuff with. But when I see a lot of clones, sometimes I'll sign up as Voss because Voss is like a Clone Wars character and I get to take a lot of pictures with the clones and that's always fun. Yeah. So, uh, I want to get the Clone Wars Voss done so I can go. So like if I see a Commander Cody, I can be like, Hey, Commander Cody looking good. How's Temple? You know, I can do the whole thing like, cause that can be fun, you know, hanging out with the, uh, with the Clone Wars guys. If a lot of Clone Wars guys sign up. Cool. Well, I think that wraps it up. Sal, I wanted to say thank you again for joining me to talk about Rebels and sharing all your experiences with me. Uh, To our listeners, I want to say thank you for listening. Until next time, may the Force be with you, always. 